this is Tracy. And this is Sheila, and we are as Wi Fat Chicks. And we are coming at you from our mobile recording studio in the car. <laughs> um, it's the safest place to record because the dog can't get all up in our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this week we're going to do an episode about a book called Candy Freak by Steve Almond. It's an awesome, awesome book about candy. Just make sure that you have a lot of candy with you. Yeah. While you're, the power of suggestion is strong. Before we even get into what's in the book, we just have to talk about how enjoyable it was to read, period. Mm -hmm. uh, Mr. Almond is an English professor. He knows how to write very obviously, but you can tell he loves the topic, and it really came out in the book, and it was just easy to read. It was like a two-day read. Yeah. Totally worth picking up just for the, the sheer fact it's something fun. It's, it's a beach book. Take it to the yeah. beach. Take it on vacation. You know, if you have like a three-day Spring break's coming up. Yeah, totally. Get it for spring break, you know, sit by the pool and read it or something. This book's just perfect for that. But like Sheila said... Make sure you have some M&Ms or Hershey Kisses or something with you. Yeah, you're going to need something sweet every time you put down the book, so... The term candy freak is what he uses to describe anybody in the book who is really into candy. Yeah, it's like the uber fan. He's like, you know, you can freak on anything. You could freak on sports, you can freak on... Um, golf medieval reenactment whatever yeah books but in this case he's he, a candy freak <laughs> and he also refers to letting your inner candy freak out uh, he opens the book by talking about how qualified he is to write the book because he always has about 10 pounds of candy around in the, in the house at any given time he uh eats a piece of candy every day that kind of thing and he's a hereditary candy freak because he talks about how his dad used to get money from his grandfather to go to the store to buy a copy of the New York Times and he'd accidentally lose a nickel down the drain. A penny. Or lose a penny down the down the sewer drain and then he'd have to go spend the rest on candy. Oh darn. He'd go buy nickel wafers, but not my first choice. But still. For those of our listeners who aren't from North America and have never had or seen a Necco wafer, you are fortunate. You're not this, missing anything. This is not a candy. It's one of the oldest candies in, in the country. And you're not missing a candy you want to try. Think of um, if you've it's, ever had... It's candy in the loosest sense of the term. Like, this is something that would be sold by a Victorian druggist. Yeah. You know, it's it's more... It tastes more like Rolaids than anything. Or Tums. It's chalky. Tums taste better, honestly. Yeah. I've Especially had the berry flavored ones. And Necco wafers. And Tums blow Necco wafers out of the way. So that's kind of bad. But... For some reason, there are some people who have this nostalgic attachment to them. Mm -hmm. So you can still pick them up at various stores. Mostly you see them at like specialty candy stores or uh, like Cracker a, Barrel. Remember? Cracker Barrel has them. Um, they used to have them all the time. And like little gourmet stores that have the retro candy will usually mm -hmm. carry them. Bulk Barns up here in Canada usually have them. Yeah. Um, have we ever talked about Bulk Barn in an episode? I think briefly we did. Well, we can just go ahead over it quickly. Yeah, because um, Bulk Barn really ties in well with this book and the topic of candy in general because it's the best place to go to get candy in Canada. Um, it's a giant bulk store, like the name. It's a chain. Yes. Is it only in Ontario or is it countrywide? I'm not sure. I'd have to look that up. It'll be in the podcast notes. Go to the Podbean site and you'll be able to check out what we find on that. But uh, you can get everything there in bulk from nuts to dried fruit to pasta to flowers to spices. We usually go there to get spices. I think we talked about it in the soda episode when we talked yeah. about Reed's ginger. Reed's ginger beer, yeah. Yeah. Because, and we've also talked about it too, whenever you're doing a lot of baking, it's a great place to go because they have all different kinds of flowers. <laughs> 
And we should probably relate what we just saw to our listeners. Don't edit that out. <laughs> we're in the middle of a parking lot because we're recording in the car. And uh, seagulls are everywhere. And this one fellow holding a coffee in a bag from the mall just went screaming and running through this <laughs> giant flock of seagulls. You probably in the heard the, lot. Uh... And then birds just scattered everywhere. It was kind of entertaining. Yeah. Cheap entertainment. So back to Paul Barn. But you, yeah, um, baking. It's yeah, great. we talked about it, I think, in one of the baking episodes, too, because uh, you can get unbleached white flour there. You can get whole wheat flour, rice flour. If you've got gluten allergies, it's a great place to go to get supplies. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And they do a lot of imported British stuff, too. So mm -hmm. you can get a lot of British candies that you normally couldn't find anyplace else. But they have two whole rows of bulk candy. It's a little kid's dream. Yeah, it's like everything from like penny candies to mm -hmm. chocolate bar pieces to um, gummy things. Yeah. Um, and uh, the little crunchy things. Like they have the little candy Legos too. Mm -hmm. Candy Legos, candy rocks. They have um, saltwater taffy, one of my favorites. Yeah. I can gorge myself silly on saltwater taffy. It's a dangerous store. It is. <laughs> they have the um, Australian style licorice, which is that really soft red licorice. It's, it's just awful. Oh. When it's fresh, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. So Bulk Barn is something I'd never been to until I moved to Canada, and it blew my mind. And even when I walk in now, I get a goofy grin on my face. I'm like, hee-hee, I can buy all kinds of crap I don't need. <laughs> I can buy in small increments. Because the bulk stuff in the States seems to have really gone by the wayside. Mm -hmm. Like, a lot of the grocery stores offered it, but it seems like they've removed or drastically cut down those sections. Yeah, and when I was a kid, we used to have a huge bulk section in most of the grocery stores. I personally, I have nothing to base this on. This is purely my speculation but i blame it on the american movement towards oh my god everything can kill us and it has to be as sanitary as possible mm, the individual packaging movement yeah the whole i need to slather myself in uh, hand sanitizer and mm. that hasn't quite caught on as much in canada so the fear of going up to a bin where you know it's it's a bin it's closed but it's a bin mm. and you can scoop stuff out of oh my god somebody may have come in contact with that in the recent past isn't as big a deal yeah so but that's why I, I blame it going out. And all it takes is one little kid to sneeze on the, the Smarties and it's all over. <laughs> patient zero. <laughs> that's right. Patient zero starts with infecting the Smarties and the next thing you know, bulk barns closed down. No. No, we joke. But again, it's one of my favorite stores up here. And we went there to get some candies because we were inspired by this book. I know it was horrible. It took us reading a book to be inspired to want to eat candy. Yeah, right. It gave us an excuse. <laughs> but we went there to get a bunch of stuff we'd never had before because we wanted to check out some different candies. Mm -hmm. But back to the book. So we're not going to go through it chapter by chapter. Really, I want you to read this book. Mm -hmm. It's fun. I don't want to spoil it for you. The main thing was that he wanted to write this book as like a love letter to candy. And he went to a bunch of factories hoping to get some free candy. <laughs> His motives were noble. Yeah. But he ended up talking to a bunch of... Uh, he couldn't really go to any of the big ones because you can't patent a recipe. So they're very, very secretive of how they do things. Uh, in in the candy factories. And he describes it perfectly. He says Willy Wonka was true. Pretty much that the espionage that used to go on between the candy companies was real. Mm -hmm. You had to worry about people trying to steal your candy secrets. So that yeah. was kind of a, a cool parallel. And it, let's face it, it's a major investment because there is this payola thing, which we didn't really know about, where mm -hmm. you have to pay for shelf space, which is why you don't see a lot of this, either the small regional candies or any of the retro candies. Uh-huh around anymore because you have to give them 20k just to stock your product in their shelves yeah. and that's not like 
we were talking to Rosie about it, and he said it's probably like a save us from ourselves nanny state thing. And we're like, no, it's just, that's how it's done. It's a payola thing. Mm -hmm. And it's always been that way, apparently. It's it's called a, a slotting fee. Mm -hmm. And it can be in the tens of thousands of dollars to get your candy bar placed in a rack in a chain grocery store. And it's it's horrible. I On one hand, I understand, you know, you want to stock things that are going to sell because the profit margin for grocery stores, for groceries in particular, is very, very small. Whenever you're yeah. looking at going into a business... That's a hard one to go into. Almost as hard, if not harder, than restaurants. Mm -hmm. Because you're going to make so little money off of what you're selling. It's really on volume. Yeah, so... Because you have to carry such a wide variety of products yes. to even get people in your store. Because if you don't have something for everybody, they're just going to go somewhere else. But the people who get hurt the most are the people who are selling the regional candies. Mm -hmm. And that is the one overreaching theme of this book. He really gets into the regional smaller candies, the ones that have disappeared and come back, the older candies. Mm -hmm. The companies that are trying to make a go at making a good, solid, gourmet candy bar that's not made with crap ingredients that's sold on a smaller market. Mm -hmm. And that's probably something that really strikes a chord with us because well, we as far as it relates the, to the podcast we yeah. were into like locavore and just little quirky regional things too yeah and by the way the slotting fees it's not just for grocery stores that goes for pharmacies that goes for convenience stores that's why you're going to roll up those 7-eleven and you're not going to see your locally made candy there because they can't afford to pay the slotting fee mm -hmm. a perfect example would be um in beaver county where i grew up anderson's candy big confectioner in the valley not big enough to be able to probably pay a slotting fee anywhere there yeah so if you want an anderson's candy bar you're either going to go to the the store the the confection store to get it or you're going to end up waiting for some little kid selling a fundraiser mm -hmm. and buy it off of them because that's a big thing to do fundraisers with and it's a shame because it's a solid candy bar and i think it tastes better like the chocolate bars taste better than most of the mass market chocolate bars out there yeah. i'd rather spend my dollar on that than say i know it's a heresy than a hershey bar Mm -hmm. But it's true. Well, and a quick note that relates to Hershey bars, where it seems like chocolate is almost like beer, where you want to drink it as soon as possible from it being bottled. Fresher is better. Fresher is better. And when you have a Hershey bar here in Ontario, it tastes good, but it doesn't taste as fresh as it does when you have them in the States. It just tastes more lively, I guess. It's got more flavor. Well, I also wonder that if it has to do with the Canadian ingredients, if the, uh, what's, what is it, the terroir of yeah. one of the ingredients, if it's made in Canada, is slightly different from what you're used to tasting to an American Hershey bar. Maybe it's the I Canadian milk. I don't know. I don't know. Which is odd because you think it would be better because Canadian milk has fewer hormones in it. Mm. So it's, it's one of those big mysteries, but it's also... To bring it back to beer, candy really is better for when it's from a smaller maker. Yeah. You're going to get better quality ingredients, just like a craft beer usually beats a mass market beer hands down. Mm -hmm. Now, there are some mass market beers out there that are awesome, and there are some mass market candy bars that are awesome, but they're kind of a limited thing. Right. It's, it's, it's the exception, not the rule. And one of the other things he talks about that just made me giggle the entire time was the, uh, the obsession with the dark Kit Kat bar. Yeah. Now, this is written right back around 2004-ish, 2005-ish. And uh, Kit Kat had put out 
And they're owned by Mars, right? I think so. They put out a, a dark chocolate candy bar, like a special dark Kit Kat. And right before he finished the book, he went out and bought a case of them to like put them away to hoard them. And they all went like went out of stock. They stopped making it in production. And I thought that was hilarious because I know up here we can still get dark Kit Kats. Yeah, they still make them. I don't know if they're still in the States or if they came back or not, but it just kind of made me laugh a little bit. Well, it just goes to show that depending on the country, you're going to have different selection mm -hmm. and that's the fun thing about being in Canada is that we have kind of this cross-pollination of UK candy bars and American candy bars but we'll talk about that in a, a little minute. bit more in a minute exactly the uh the other interesting uh subject that he brings up in the book that we both said huh that's kind of cool is how some candy makers they can't afford to run and maintain their own machinery because they don't producing enough volume so they literally buy time on other machines mm -hmm. at, at different companies and one of the candies he talks about that does that's the Valo milks yeah the factory there they can't afford to just run their own product so they actually lease out space and make other people's candy bars as well so Tuesday might be some other candy bars day at the factory and they'll make a, a run of those and then Wednesday will be Valo milks and Thursday will be something else mm -hmm. and that's kind of neat and it makes me think of the the bad old days in computers yeah. And you would buy time on the the server. You'd buy time on the mainframe. Yeah. I, so I thought that was just hilarious. People probably don't even yeah. get that. You might actually have to explain that a little bit. <sighs> this is like back in the BBS days, right? Even before the internet? Before that. We're talking the 60s. This is back when a, a mainframe computer would be the size of a small building or a large room. Um, expensive. You you wouldn't own one. Only a company would own one. Or more or a likely school. a school. university would be... a great place to go to find one and if you had some particular um complex problem that you needed a computer to solve you would go to whatever company had the computer had the mainframe and you would actually purchase time on the mainframe you would go and say i'm gonna need i calculate i need three hours to run this particular computation through your computer how much is it and you'd have to pay a fee and then say maybe from Depending on where it was, sometimes you would only be able to get time available at night when the computer was kind of in downtime anyway. Sometimes you might mm -hmm. be lucky enough to get it during the day. It depended how they parceled it out. But you, they'd say, okay, from 2 a.m. to 5 a.m., you can run your program. And you'd go in with your punch cards or whatever your, your input was <laughs> at the time, and you would feed your input into the computer, and you would wait three hours for it to run its computations and get your, your feedback out. So compared to the 60s, we really are living in Star Trek right now. Yes. Considering we all have our own personal computers to do whatever we want with, our phones are computers practically. The, the average smartphone easily blows away one of those mainframe computers from the 60s. Easily. Mm -hmm. uh, you'll see the, the meme on the internet all the time about how what they, the computers they used to land on the moon for the first Apollo mission are less complex than your average like Texas Instruments calculator now. And that, that's true. That is true, yeah. So, of course, then again, your average Texas Instruments calculator now, if you're talking about one of the graphing calculators, those puppies are pretty complicated pieces of machinery. They can do a whole lot. Mm -hmm. They they make what used to be a, a very complicated process by hand to do certain like calculations for calculus. And they, they make it a couple punches of a button. But I digress. That, that <laughs> is very much it reminded me... When I read that, I'm like, oh, it's like the battle days with mainframes. You buy time on the, the candy machine. But that's kind of <laughs> cool. Now, he does go and talk about some specific candy manufacturers and um, their little local product that they made that's a regional one. What was your favorite one that he talked about? Vala Milk. <laughs> I thought you were going to say the five stars. Oh, I'd love to try one of the five stars. 
I'm easy for candy. What Those, can I say? <laughs> the five stars were from Vermont, right? Yeah, they're from, I think, Burlington. Oh, we need to get a hold of Daisy and Jamie. Yepers. They need to send us a package. We'll subsidize it. We'll, we'll send yeah, it's, for the cool. it's for the podcast. for the podcast. But it's these killer, killer candy bars of a very high quality. They have four bars. Is it four bars they make? Yeah. And they're trying to figure out, at the time, they were trying to figure out the fifth one to do. Very high quality candy bar that just sounds awesome. So we'll, we'll have to, at some point, lay hands on one of those and report back with some information. My, mm -hmm. my favorite was the Vallow Milk, and I don't like marshmallow. It's not marshmallow, though. It's more like liquid vanilla foam. <laughs> this, the story behind this candy is so awesome. Uh, it's an old candy way back from, like, you know, the teens. And uh, the one fellow who was in charge of making the original Vallow Milk formula was drunk the one day. He liked to drink a lot. And he made the formula wrong. And it came out all kind of liquidy and runny. But they went and ran, ran it anyway, and they ran them as seconds. And that's one of the things, just like a cigar maker, candy companies will mm -hmm. have candies that come out imperfect, and they sell them as seconds. So if you live near one of the factories, you could probably inquire about, hey, you know, could I get some cheap Reese cups or something? Yeah. You'll get some slightly defective ones that are perfectly fine to eat. They just aren't pretty. They probably have them set up... Uh... Like, they'll have, like, a day where you can come in and buy yeah. boxes of them. Because that's another thing that he does in there. Because he's such a candy freak. Is he rolls over to the local Hershey place and buys up all their seconds. <clears throat> where it didn't get stamped right or it has the wrong filling in it or whatever. Yeah, or the filling tech consistency is a little bit off, as in the case of the Vallow Milk. So they sold these ones. And they had this huge demand. People were asking, where are those other ones again? Those were great. We want those. So that became the standard Vallow Milk formula. And it's kind of like um, a, a cup, mm. a chocolate cup. Instead of having marshmallow in it, it's more like a runny kind of marshmallow goo. Yeah. So it's like eating a runny butter tart. You have yeah. to make sure you like tip it and because you're going to bite into it. You're going to have to drink part of it or it's going to be all down your front. Like um, in the States, there's also the mallow cups, which mm -hmm. for the Canadian listeners is like a peanut butter cup, but it's got marshmallow on the in inside instead of peanut butter. From the sound of it, the original Vallow milks were like the Mallow Cup. But yeah. the new Vallow milks, and by new I mean, you know, they're 80 The years standard old. ones. Yeah. Those, the standard ones now are more like um, a gooey kind of deal. And yeah. I don't like marshmallow because of the texture. I like it when it's roasted on a campfire because the texture changes. Mm -hmm. And I like it in hot chocolate because the texture changes. But to eat anything that's marshmallowy except for Rice Krispie Treats, <laughs> not my thing. So I'm not a big fan of those crappy cookies that Sheila likes that have the marshmallows Eek. in them. <laughs> I don't like moon pies. I don't Eek. like, you know, <laughs> snowballs. I'm just not a fan of any of that. <laughs> but I totally want to check out a Vallow Milk because vanilla is part of the main ingredients in the the, uh, the goo. And it's good vanilla, too. They still yeah. use the old school formula that's yeah got the pure vanilla extract, you know, that's probably 80% alcohol or whatever. The, that's what he was drinking. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Hit the vanilla bottle. Woo! I would love to lay hands on one of those. I don't remember exactly where that factory is. It's in the south somewhere, but the, I know they can't ship it by plane because they'll explode. <laughs> yeah. Once, once the Vallow Milks hit a high altitude, uh, the cups can develop a leak or just explode a little bit so you open it up and you just have chocolate vanilla goo in the package so this is one of the ones where they can only be shipped in cool weather and they can only be shipped on ground within a certain distance yes yeah. it forces it to be kind of 100 mile ish mm -hmm. so and candy can never really be 100 mile because of the uh the cocoa in it we get that but we dig seeing the local candy makers do their thing because they're yeah. going to go for a slightly better product because they're not quite they're not answering usually to a, a, a board they're not or, or they're stock not, they're not a slave to volume either exactly they're not a slave to volume they're not answering to their stockholders they're just in it to make their profit 
so they have a little more wiggle room when it comes to some of the quality of the ingredients and that's a good thing and i know um i'm making it very uh general there mm. i'm sure there are exceptions to that but for the most part the smaller the candy maker usually the better their quality is yeah and i'm sure there's crappy candy makers out there that produce a small volume we just haven't run into them yet and they probably don't stay in business very long either because it's much easier to go out of business when you're smaller yeah than when you're bigger Exactly. There's more to lose. So, anything else you want to add about Candy Freak? I don't think so. It was a great book. You should totally check it it's out. Totally worth it. I'm. I'll totally out us on this. We picked it up at half price books, for like four bucks. Uh, you could probably hop on Abe Books and find a copy of it fairly affordable. You could probably hop on uh, Amazon and find a used copy. But mm -hmm. it's really, it's such a fun book. I mean, this is going in my my top list, like up there with um, the Good Fair and Cheer of England. That in uh, Last Chance to Eat by Gina Mallet. I mean, it's really going up there in a year of eating dangerously. It's it's an awesome read. It's just enjoyable. The and disappointing part was when he met his hero, though. Yeah, yeah, he met a fellow who uh, used to he wrote a couple candy books. He was the only person that had actually written any candy books, really. Yeah, and he was just kind of tired and old and didn't care about anything anymore. Like, yeah, and he was never really a candy freak. He was more like a collector freak. Yeah. So that was kind of disappointing to him, and that, that had to hurt. But uh, Stephen Almond wrote a great book. I think we're going to be fangirls. If he writes any more candy books, or if he has written any more candy books, don't worry. We're going to find them and report back to you on them. And if we ever meet him in a bar, we'll buy him a beer. No, we'll buy him a candy bar. <laughs> a good hot chocolate, maybe. Some good Godiva hot chocolate or something. Which, if you've never had the Godiva hot chocolate... It's worth the price. That's almost another show in itself. Mm. Hot chocolate show. Oh, we have to do a lot of research for that. Oh, darn. Mm. But Godiva hot chocolate is is too good to be true. Noble listeners, loyal listeners, wonderful listeners, you can write us at any time at zvifatchicks at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We would. We're going to cut this one off. Uh, go buy Candy Freak and read it. And then eat some candy. And, and rate us on iTunes. And rate us on iTunes and tell and us about your candy. And friend us on Podbean. And Facebook. And tell us about your candy that you ate. Or if you have a local candy bar that you adore, by all means, tell us about it. If you'd like to send us some of your local candy, just email us. It's myfatchicks.com. We'll, we'll, totally... we'll give you a mailing address, yeah. Yes, we would love to have you send us candy to try and talk about. <laughs> but we're going to come back next episode. We're going to talk about the candy bars that we were inspired to go and check out because of this book. And then we're going to talk about another candy bar that we had today. Yeah. So this is Tracy. And this is Sheila. And we are Zvi Fat Chicks. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this Vi Fat Chicks podcast. Please add us as a friend on Facebook and or follow us on Twitter. You can email your comments, questions, or suggestions to zvifatchicks at gmail.com. That's Z-W-E-I-F-A-T-C-H-I-C-K-S at gmail.com. Our theme music is Hot Swing by Kevin McLeod. Our podcasts, like Mr. McLeod's music, are protected under a Creative Commons attribute copyright. You can make copies of our shows and share them with friends. Please make sure that credit is given. Thanks for listening and have a great day.